Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. And I must admit, it's always, uh, always I'm so happy to see Craig's face on the other side of my computer because then I know that I'm safely on air. Thank you, Craig. Um, today I have decided that I'm actually going to honor my dad and because he was a lover of Shakespeare and he taught me at a very young age to question the meaning of life. So today my, I've decided that my topic will be to be or not to be. That is the question. But firstly, I actually want to thank the unexpected feedback that I receive so often for suggestions for a program. It occurs in random places, sometimes in shops, malls, restaurants, or even as I'm getting in or out of my car. What can I say? Your voices and ideas are always welcome. And I must admit, it also puts faces into my mind of who is listening in today. So hello and thank you. And I do appreciate your, your feedback. A question I have been asked lately is, do I enjoy presenting this program? Actually, not just lately, but for many years now. And my answer is, yes, I love it. Then I get asked, do you put a lot of research into it? And yes, I do do that as well. And the other question I get is, where do I get my fantastic guests from? Well, our CEO, Kathy Kaler, suggested the name for my show, Finding Human. And that is exactly what it is. My guests and I find one another and have the privilege of sharing our human experience. And for that, I'm really grateful. Now, last week, two questions were posed to me, both in gross, in um, wild grocery shopping. And the, they were both posed to me about a, a, um, a program that I had a few weeks ago on, on loss with, with Linda Lee. And both questions said, would you please address secondary losses in bereavement and tell me more about it? And I will definitely get to that. But today I want to actually start by discussing kindness. Around our Friday night table, uh, our Shabbat table, a few weeks ago, we were having a discussion um, on a particular incident where a group of teenagers had behaved in a very, very disrespectful manner to people in authority. We were all shocked at this rude display, and it was it really smacked of entitlement and the belief that they were deserving of special treatment. I will not go into the details, but let me say that there is no place for parents to allow or even to encourage their children to believe that they have the right to behave in this disrespectful manner. None of us are entitled to more than the others. And respect is really needed. And because I have a voice and a place to actually be heard, I am bringing this up now. I'm not going to go into the details of it. So it was around this discussion that we got to the point of discussing um, 
how living, what, what was the meaning of living a life of values, of principles? What is it that encourages us to live as good, caring human beings? How we treat ourselves and others and how we interact with the world around us. My son-in-law, Paul Koffler, asked what I considered to be the value that I would most want to teach my grandchildren. And I had no hesitation at all in saying kindness. There are different kinds of values, but the values of honesty and kindness are intrinsic values. Khalil Gibran said, tenderness and kindness are not signs of weakness and despair, but manifestations of strength and resolution. And I do believe this very strongly. Extrinsic values are something that we do for another reason, whether it's to gain popularity, fame, or wealth. And I do believe that a lot of what is happening today is around extrinsic values of what we can gain from another person or from another group or what, you know, by this, this message of entitlement. So it's our personal responsibility to actually teach values to our children. There are core ethical values that we should help ourselves and our children and our grandchildren achieve. And these are kindness, honesty, care, empathy, loyalty, compassion, respect. If you have anything to add to this, please let me know on SMS 34519 or you can telegram on 061-895-1019. I know some of you say that you actually prefer not to send me messages because you want to hear what I'm going to be saying next, but I promise you there's plenty of time to hear what I'm saying next. And the other thing that... um, on kindness, by the way, that Shakespeare, going back to my dad, did say, is kindness nobler ever than revenge. So kindness is nobler than revenge. And that comes from As You Like It, which quite amazes me that I actually remembered that and I didn't even look that one up. Dad, you'd be proud of me there. So let's look at All the Worlds a Stage. Once again, Shakespeare. And we are all thrust into these different parts, not of our choosing often. Our choice is therefore how we respond. This choice is unique to each person and each situation. What I have become very aware of, that the pandemic, the, pan, the COVID pandemic was an event that we had no control over. Okay, we could go for vaccines, but what happened beyond the vaccines was not that we had no control over. And so we were left often with what what ifs and if onlys, and especially for the people who lost loved ones during the pandemic. And both the people, our listeners, I'm not mentioning your names. I actually don't know your names, come to think of it. But both of you, had lost loved ones in the pandemic and had are left saying, if only, if only we were with them, um, what could we have done that could have been different? And unfortunately, the pandemic was something that we had no control over. 
we were put into isolation. We were not allowed to visit loved ones in the hospital. And we ourselves actually had to remain at home. It was an incredibly disempowering situation and something that I think we'll be dealing with for a long, long time. I was listening to a YouTube by Julia Samuel. She's a grief therapist, and she talks about grief is a basket of sadness. And she says that every time we take out of that basket a story, our basket feels lighter. That stories are healing when they are shared and they are heard. We are story beings. On this last uh, Shabbos lunch, um, we actually shared stories of a very, very dear friend that passed away earlier this year. And we all laughed and sure, well, there were tears, but there was laughter and, and it was shared time, shared time of remembering. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. You are now going to be listening to a very short YouTube, and um, I hope you'll enjoy it. There are many things that we can do to help ourselves work through the grieving process. I think the first thing we have to do is to be patient with ourselves and realize that grief does take time. It doesn't come all at once. You're going to have to face challenges like going through the first birthday and the first anniversary and Christmas and all of these significant times and occasions and events that come up every year in which you will miss your loved one again. I think we have to give ourselves permission to grieve, to recognize that grief isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign that we cared. People say, try not to grieve, try not to be emotional. I think that's wrong. I think we really need to allow ourselves the opportunity to express the emotions, uh, to come to terms with what has happened and how our life has changed. I think we also can learn as much as we can about grief, whether on this website or in some books or videos or whatever, we can get the information that will help us to develop strategies that will help us work through the grieving process. I think one way in which we can help ourselves is being good to ourselves. The most difficult challenge that any grieving person faces is taking the energy you've thrown into looking after someone else and turning that around and looking after me. <laughs> We're all very good at looking after everybody else, but not so good at looking after me. So try to get good nutrition. Try to get some rest. Take a break from your grief once in a while. Do something that you would enjoy. Simple as going for coffee or going for a walk or to the park and... Do something for yourself. Don't rush into hasty decisions like what to do about selling a house or moving away or getting rid of the clothes. Remember that grief invites us to remember and work with the memories. And, and above all, to hold on to hope that as you work through the process, you are going to find life and you are going to find meaning again. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And you have just been listening to um, Help Myself Through Grief. And this comes from the Center for Grief Journey um, YouTubes, which are really worth listening to. Um, he talked about working with memories. 
And um, Khalil Gibran says that remembrance is a form of meeting. So memories are a form of reconnecting with our loved one. And I do also need to say that we are in, we are entering, we are in the month of Elul. And this is a time of many of our celebrations, our Jewish celebrations. So where he said Christmas, we also are looking at our New Year, Yom Kippur, all our festivals, our different festivals. And if you have just lost a loved one, and these are the your first of many losses, the first times are so difficult. And just remember, you're not on your own. And that carrying that basket that, that Julia Samuel was talking about, that basket of sadness, which is grief, Carrying that basket on your own is a burden far too heavy to manage, and it needs to be shared. And if you have people to share it with you, please, get there. If they're offering their help, accept it. It's not a weakness at all. It's actually a strength to accept help. Courage is a value to live on after the loss of a loved one, and it takes great courage that you never even knew you had. So we need to often stop. And if you know someone who's in grief, acknowledge their courage. Acknowledge their courage just to get out of the bed in the morning, to begin to live within the many smaller losses that occur, which are the secondary losses. Now, these secondary losses can be terrifying and very confusing. And let me just give you a kind of example. Imagine that you are throwing a pebble into a pond. And as you do so, as the pebble hits the water, it makes a big circle where it goes in. But out of that circle, there's created a deep, the deep hole and then the ripple effect. The ripples that go on and on and on. Now this, quite honestly, is like grief. And this is what is secondary losses. The losses that hit you so often they are multiple losses that um, you never even thought you would feel. And they often are catapult you into what's called an existential, existential crisis because there's so many feelings and emotions that are associated with, with grief. And that's the, the sudden realization that your identity has changed. And this can be very, very frightening. Who are you? Who are you without your loved one? Who who do you who are you becoming? Secondary losses are if you look at a puzzle and you put all the puzzles together and you look at the missing pieces. Let's look at what secondary losses can be, and which are those ripples? They're friends and family sometimes. Identity, your dreams for the future, your normal routine. When I bumped into the one person in, in the grocery store, she also said she had been about to go and buy some salmon, which she always would buy on a Friday for her husband. She used to go on a Thursday and cook salmon, and this time she had to just walk past the counter. Now, that is pain. That's facing pain every time she goes shopping. So those are shared things that you used to do for each other. Shared memories, purpose, purpose in our lives change, holiday traditions. This is a big one. December is coming up 
And what did you always do with your loved one? Suddenly you have to decide to do a different, something different. Then there's the loss of security. The loss of confidence. Sometimes we don't even realize how much confidence we actually get as from being a couple. And I, I know this for, for myself that there's so many times that I feel afraid of doing something. And, uh, and my husband will say, don't be ridiculous. Of course you can do it. And even if he says it like that, you know, pull yourself together. You can do it. It jolts me into realizing that actually I'm not doing it alone. So this is a secondary loss. This loss of confidence of, of, um, of having someone by your side. Many of you are also feeling the loss of income. Now these multiple losses are accompanied by feelings of anxiety and suddenly a meaning, the meaning and purpose of your life are being questioned. The purpose and, and, and what, what do you want to do? What is the why of your life now? And also to realize that there's choice in this. And, um, it's facing that transitory nature of life, which Victor Frankl talks about. The transitory nature of life, that life has a beginning and an end. And recognizing that life has boundaries. This is not, this is actually pretty scary. And again, you know, it's, uh, it's, these are surprising kind of losses that people don't always recognize. They will recognize your, your initial loss, certainly. And you'll get a, a lot of um, respect for that and a lot of recognition. And especially in our tradition where we have the Shiva week, people are coming the whole time. But what about the secondary losses? And these are complex and the experience of grief actually becomes really more complex because of these secondary losses, which are so seldom acknowledged. They are even not acknowledged by supportive friends or family or, or, or community. People don't say to you, you know, I'm really sorry that uh, you happened to move out of your house. Or I'm really sorry that you, you had to get um, uh, help, security in. You know, those sort of things don't, these losses are often so incredibly personal to the person and, and private that it's actually difficult for other people to give you support and even acknowledge them. With a breathing person, uh, coping with the primary loss has to also cope with these secondary losses. And they often fail to recognize the impact that these secondary losses actually have on, on you. I read this, that death does not just create a single hole in one's life. Instead, the loss can impact many areas of one's life, creating multiple losses from that primary loss. Though it is easy to think that our grief is solely the grief of losing the person you cared for so deeply. Grief is also the pain of the other losses that were a result of the death. You will hear these losses. These are referred to as the secondary losses. Not in the sense that their impact is secondary, but rather that they are a secondary result of primary loss. And this is something that need to recognize. And these, don't forget, these losses are, are individual losses and therefore are unique and complicated in their own right to each person. So what you're, what you might be experiencing as a secondary loss 
will not necessarily be the other person's loss. What has often been said to me lately is also the fact that the losses that occur are, are losses of, of um, friendships. Now, this has caused quite a lot of confusion in people, that the people that they thought would be there for them are suddenly not there for them. And a few widows have said that at the moment they entered widowhood, it was almost as though they became a threat to their married friends. So this is something that I think we need to recognize. And maybe we're doing it even unconsciously that we're cutting them out. But um, they're not just, so, so the person with the primary loss is not just adjusting to the many different, to that primary loss, but to the many different aspects of their lives. And these aspects need to be identified by you who are going through these secondary losses. And recognize that these are a normal part of grief and they need to be grieved. Often these, what we call non-death losses, are unacknowledged, even by the person who's going through them, because they, it comes with guilt. I should be getting on with my life. Why am I feeling like this? What nonsense. There is no time. Grief comes in waves, and it goes on and on. And even as I was writing this, we're not writing this, but doing this program, and I was thinking of my dad and Shakespeare and his love of Shakespeare and what he taught me, I felt grief for him. And I realized also that I hadn't acknowledged as much grief when I lost him because I had to take care of my mom immediately. And, um, and that was, that was pretty full time. I had to pack up my, my dad's clothes and, um, and also, you know, I think what we don't realize in a Jewish loss, we have so much more support. We really do because of that shiver. In a, non, a non-Jewish loss, there is not that support. And perhaps that's something we need to recognize with our non-Jewish friends, that they also need to be able to go on grieving for longer than just that day of the funeral. The other secondary losses that we're looking at are, are when we look at the friendships, are suddenly there's a difficulty in almost identifying with certain people. People that you used to be really close to before, you you are now finding it difficult to identify with them. So there's a loss of certain relationships there. And uh, sometimes someone who you were very close to steps away. And this can be very hurtful and is an extra loss. Then I mentioned this before in my program with Linda Levy. We're looking at a home the familiarity of leaving our home, the familiarity of the home, of our garden, of the memories that come with the home, whether you have brought up your family in that home. You know, you suddenly begin to look at it with different eyes and realize what you're going to miss. And that has to be grieved. That's not, that is a non-death loss, but it's certainly a loss. Then we go back to that puzzle when we look at the piece that is identity. And if someone says to you, are you married? Or if you've lost a child, God forbid, someone might say to you, how many children do you have? 
are you a parent? Now, in listening to various YouTubes, this, that one that I actually told you, that journey, brief journey one, he said that his, I think he said his grandmother had said uh, she got married uh, for life. And whether her husband had died or not, she was still married for life. So it depends on how you want to frame it. But you must find a way to frame it yourself. And by saying, unfortunately, I lost my husband, is a way of saying not that you're not married or you weren't married, but saying that you were married, but that your identity has now changed. Because you are, you're, have, you have lost your, your husband or your wife. So you are a widower or a widow. And then what about traditions and the sharing of traditions? Now, I was watching a, a Christmas movie yesterday. And actually, it wasn't really a Christmas movie, but it was, um, it was something, but it was a person who wanted to recreate what Christmas meant to them. And what they'd always felt was the traditions of their family and looking back on that and mourning what was no longer. So those traditions are what we do share so often with a loved one that is no longer with us. And those traditions also need to be mourned. Certainly, new, to, new traditions can be made, but initially, the shock is still there. And especially if you're going into a, a festival time, what a time of new, the new year, time of Christmas, whatever we're going into, Look at those traditions that you did share before and what you now are having to let go of. Those are secondary losses. Now, moving country. This is a big one, and this is one that comes up again and again, especially with our world as it is at the moment. And we are in a state of tr transition in South Africa that a lot of people have left. Some are staying. But all of a sudden, many people are having to make the decision to go and live where their children are living. Now, this might sound comforting. Well, you know, she or he are going to go and least be with their family, with their children and with their family. So maybe that's true, and it is true, for security reasons, financial reasons, whatever it might be. But the fact is, there's a huge amount of loss that comes in to moving a country. We'll get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. You're now going to be listening to a, a very short advert as well, also by the Center for Grief, the uh, Center for Grief Journey. And it is called, Am I Going Crazy? Thank you, Craig. After a significant loss, many strange and unusual and even uncharacteristic things can happen. I remember feeling confused for weeks. I mean, I knew that my wife had died, but I couldn't believe it. I couldn't accept it. It just didn't seem real. I kept expecting she'd walk in the door any time or I'd go out and when I came home, I'd be looking to see if she was there. I, I couldn't concentrate whether I was at work, reading a book, staring at the same page for hours, watching a TV program and kind of finding that my mind would wander and coming to and realizing I hadn't seen a single thing that was on the program. I found it I was forgetful 
for getting appointments, for getting things that people had told me, setting out in the car and forgetting where I was supposed to be going. And then when I remembered where I was going, realizing I was on the wrong road. And I began to think, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. In fact, I wasn't losing my mind. I was struggling to accept what was unacceptable and believe what was unbelievable. I think it takes every ounce of mind power to come to terms with this unbelievable, incomprehensible thing that has happened. And so we don't have mind power left over for trivial things like (laughs) remembering appointments and reading books and so on. I, I don't mean to minimize it. I think we want to normalize it. You're not going crazy. You're not losing your mind. Your mind is struggling to accept something that is unacceptable. And that takes a while. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on High FM 101.9. If you'd like to contact me, please do so on SMS 3... Uh, oh, gosh, I've just suddenly got a blank. Um, <laughs> Craig, just remind me, what's the SMS? <laughs> 34519. And please just send a message. Sorry, I'm not going crazy now, uh, as that uh, that YouTube said, as he said. The view of his view of the world changes, and it's very confusing. And in order to come to the terms with believing what was or is unbelievable, and I think that's a very big one because people do feel that they are going crazy. But I was talking about a moving country. And this, as I said, is a huge, huge loss. One of these huge non-death losses. What, what, what sort of losses come into this? It's the loss of friends, of community, of support systems, the security of knowing all your favorite places, the grocery stores, the hairdressers, the pharmacists, the doctors, the dentists. Um, you know, even when we moved from Germiston to Johannesburg, I remember going back to Germiston to the dentist, to the doctor, for, for, to the vegetable shop even, for years. So uh, here you're moving out of the country and you're moving without your loved one, going to a, a family. Fine, you might have your, your children and your grandchildren around you. But I think first and foremost, you need to acknowledge these losses that you're going through. And it's only in acknowledging them and sometimes even in writing them down, writing down the familiarity that you are going to be missing. All of those, the memories that you've got of of, um, of your home, of your, your South Africa, look at all of those. Sometimes in writing them down, you realize that no, you're not losing your mind. These are needing to be acknowledged and eventually to let them go. Um, if you don't really let them go, but you, once you acknowledge it, you actually begin to sense that you are allowed to have these feelings. And if you don't allow this, we often feel the need, and often people do, to get over it, put on a brave face, because you you are beginning to feel that you're a burden to your family and your family want you to move or are helping you move 
or they feel that they're helping you grieve, you know, eventually, if you keep saying to yourself, get over it, get over it, it eventually catches up and this results in even more in additional losses. Losses of maybe perhaps more friends, losses of uh, family, and um, these losses actually come back with, with a, quite a big hit. We face what is called an existential crisis, and we begin to ask, what is life all about? Now, this existential crisis does not only occur when it, when there's a loss of a loved one. It occurs in many stages of our lives, but it causes anxiety, anxiety and it causes us uh, to question, what is the purpose of my life? What's the meaning of my life? Um, it, it occurs when we face the transitory nature of life, that there is a beginning and the end and an end, and it forces us to recognize these boundaries of our life. Now, this can come sometimes happen with age. As we age, we start questioning, what's the meaning of my life? We start fearing, what's the next stage of my life? What am I going to be doing when I'm no longer working? If you're looking at retirement, what? how am I going to fill my days? Age can be a very frightening thing to, to actually look at. Um, of course, death with the existential crisis, if we've lost someone, it's a big, it's a, uh, it is, we often ask, what is life all about? What about life-threatening illness? Many of our life-threatening illnesses that we hear about today are treatable, but at the same time, they come with this unbelievable expectation of being brave, of putting on a, a good face, of saying that, you know, you, you have actually I've got this all under control. Well, what is control? Sometimes control is allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to grieve the fact that you're not feeling as secure as you used to feel because of your illness, because of the uncertainty of life. Uh, the Danish philosopher Søren uh, Kierkegaard in 1844 said, whoever has learned not to be anxious in the right way has learned the ultimate. So I'm not sure what the anxious in the right way is, but I actually just believe that it is to allow yourself to be anxious and not to always put on this brave face and say to yourself, get over it. There's no such thing as getting over it. It comes and goes. There's also another a loss which is called ambiguous loss. And this is a loss which is very similar to bereavement or to disenfranchise loss, which is the loss that is so often not recognized by people. And it's it's often goes un, um, unacknowledged. But ambiguous loss is, uh, is a, when is a person is uncertain about how to grieve for the loss that they're feeling. And this type of loss often occurs um, when the loved one has had a terminal illness and people are saying, well, you know, thank goodness he's out of his suffering now. Or a person has had dementia or Alzheimer's. And the person, people say, well, thank goodness that's over and he's at peace now. Not recognizing that this is a loss, a great loss. What about is physically present, but not emotionally present, but still has a significant 
aspect of who they are, even though their identity is. What about a person who's physically absent, but possibly still alive? This is a big one. Divorce. Absentee parent. We'll get back to that short. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. You're about to hear another very short YouTube by Brene Brown. A thing scarier than being vulnerable. I do a search for Theodore Roosevelt 1910. And the quote that came up changed my life. And it's the Daring Greatly quote. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The critic belongs to the person who's in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who in the end may know the triumph of high achievement. But when he fails, he does so daring greatly. And so three things totally shifted in my life that moment. The first was, that's who I want to be. If we want to be courageous and we want to be in the arena, we're going to get our butts kicked. There is no option. If you want to be brave and show up in your life, you're going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. It's part of showing up. The second thing that came to me that was, I think Steve thinks it's made me dangerous, um, <laughs> which is this. It's your, it's your Twitter thugs. Okay. The bottom line is this. If you are not in the arena also getting your butt kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, Because the Twitter thugs, you know, I think there are a lot of cheap seats in this community, in this world, where you can sit back, never risk anything, and just throw criticism at people who are trying. You know, and the last one is, this is everything I've learned about vulnerability over 12 years of studying. Vulnerability is not about winning. It's not about losing. It's about having the courage to show up and be seen. It's about willingness to say, look, I don't have all the answers this is daring greatly for me. I'm wearing false eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> and my biggest fear when they put them on was like, am I going to get halfway through this thing and be like, like I can't do it? And um, if you do, just rip the whole thing off. That's happened to me before. Oh. Just rip them both off and there you are. Make it before the world. You may that see happens. it here today. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think, t- uh, you know, people tell me all the time, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to do this because I can't bear this. And I think being vulnerable feels dangerous and I think it feels scary. And I think it is terrifying, but I don't think it's as dangerous, scary or terrifying as getting to the end of our lives and wondering what if I would have shown up? What if I would have said, I love you back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that to me is what daring greatly is. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. The time is going so quickly that Craig is already telling me to to wrap up. I would like to um, say that that word, Renee Brown, on being vulnerable, the scarier thing about being vulnerable, and she says getting your butt kicked. Just remember that there is no way to actually grieve. No right way and no wrong way. And what you are doing, as long as you are finding your own way forward, that is what is important. 
And she said, get your butt kicked. So there will always be people who criticize everyone else. Uh, but remember what the man in the arena said. The worst, which I'm just trying to think, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring break. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So there you are, daring greatly. And that's what it is to grieve. It is to dare greatly. My husband gave me this uh, thing about 10 things people learn too late. And I'd like to end with this. One, everything is temporary. Two, life is a prayer. Three, family matters more than friends. Four, others treat you the way you treat yourself. Beneath anger, there's always fear. Happiness is a choice and requires hard work. A lifetime isn't so long as you think. The biggest risk is not taking any risk. Things don't matter so much. Ten, you played it too safe. And Goethe, the, the German poet and playwright, scientist, said, whatever you do or dream you, you can, Begin it. Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. So I wish you courage. I wish you boldness. And I wish that you all find that power within yourselves to find the meaning and the purpose in your life. God bless. And I'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much, Craig.